Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, June 8th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Gold was extremely range-bound all week, hovering right around the $1,300 mark. The yellow metal has moved little since last Friday's close, with the spread between its highs and lows the narrowest of any week since 2007 at just $1,370 an ounce. Gold saw some midweek gains as the dollar softened and worries about a trade war weighed on investors. The greenback hit a three-week low midweek. Gold was up slightly this morning ahead of the G7 summit, but a modest recovery in the dollar kept a lid on gains. Expectations that the Federal Reserve will announce another rate increase next week are also weighing on gold. Meanwhile, silver hit a six-week high on Thursday. As I record this podcast, gold is trading at $1299.70, silver is at $1689 an ounce, and the silver-gold ratio stands at 77.56. There were two items in the news this week that revealed just how bad the fiscal mess in Washington, D.C. has become. The U.S. government continues to spiral down a black hole of debt. It's amazing that nobody seems very concerned about this. I guess it's because Republicans are in office and they have historically been the ones complaining about deficit spending. That is, when Democrats are in control. Of course, now that they're in power, crickets. That is, with the exception of a few principled members of the GOP who have been soundly chastised by party leadership for rocking the boat. Meanwhile, the U.S. public debt hit a record high of $21.145 trillion on the last day of May. That's an unfathomable amount of money. Here's a way to visualize it. The height of a stack of $1 trillion bills would measure 67,866 miles. This would reach more than one-fourth of the way from the Earth to the Moon. So if I did my math right, a stack of $21 trillion bills would go to the Moon and back more than two and a half times. Yet despite this staggering amount of debt, a lot of people continue to basically just shrug and yawn. In fact, some people argue that the debt doesn't even matter. But of course it matters. As we've talked about before, skyrocketing debt suppresses economic growth. When debt hits about 90% of GDP, analysts have shown it decreases economic growth by about 30%. We're currently at somewhere in the neighborhood of 105% of GDP. The other problem is rising interest rates. As I've discussed previously, rising rates will eventually crush the U.S. budget under interest payments. Analysts have calculated that if the interest rate on the Treasury debt stood at 6.2%, that's its level in the year 2000, the annual interest payment on the current debt would nearly triple to $1.3 trillion annually. We're already seeing the impact of rising interest rates on the giant federal debt pile. The cost of servicing the national debt has spiked, increasing by $26 billion through the first seven months of this fiscal year. That's October through April. That's comparing it with the same period last year. So even at a relatively modest 3% interest rate that we have today, interest expense grew from $257.3 billion in the first seven months of fiscal 2017 to $283.6 billion in the same period this year. When we're talking about trillions of dollars of debt, I guess $26 billion may not sound like a whole much. You might think, oh, well, that's small potatoes. But of course, it's a significant amount of money. In fact, S.R. Sraco calculated that $26 billion could buy the world's 
total registered silver inventory. And that's just the amount of increase in interest cost over the last seven months. In effect, the federal government is spending billions of dollars every month for absolutely nothing. And the more it has to spend to service its debt, the more the debt is going to increase. It's a vicious upward spiral that affords no practical benefit to any of us. Of course, if you're a holder of U.S. debt, i.e. the Chinese, the Japanese, and the Federal Reserve, I guess this is good news. In other words, the federal government is a giant black hole sucking up money from the productive sectors of society, and that doesn't even take into account unfunded liabilities like Social Security and Medicare. Speaking of which, here's another giant boondoggle. These government retirement programs are going broke even faster than expected. For the first time since 1982, Social Security will have to dip into its $3 trillion trust fund in order to cover benefits this year. That's three years earlier than they were projecting even last year. In other words, the program's expenses will exceed its revenue. Analysts knew this was going to happen, but it happened three years earlier than they projected. Social Security has dipped into the trust fund before, of course, but analysts project this is the beginning of a long-term trend with no sign of reversal. According to the annual report recently released by the Social Security and Medicare trustees, the trust fund will completely run out of money in 2034. According to the Wall Street Journal, Social Security will no longer be able to pay its full scheduled benefits unless Congress takes action to shore up the program's finances. Without any changes, recipients then would receive only about three-quarters of their scheduled benefits from incoming tax revenues. And if you're counting on Medicare to take care of your health care needs, that doesn't look like a very good plan either. The trustees project its hospital insurance fund will run out of money in 2026, three years earlier than last year's report. Both Medicare and Social Security suffer from the same fundamental economic problem. As the Wall Street Journal put it, quote, the nation's aging population is boosting the cost of Social Security and Medicare, while revenue gains lag due to slower growth in the economy and the labor force. In other words, the program spends more money than it takes in. Of course, this is what eventually happens with every Ponzi scheme. And make no mistake, both of these programs, Social Security and Medicare, are quintessential Ponzi schemes. They depend on current contributors to pay the obligations to those who got into the scheme earlier. This works fine until the number of new people coming into the scheme starts to taper off. And that's what's happening today. In 2007, there were 3.3 workers paying into the system for every retiree. Today, there are 2.6. And if you go back to just 1995, there were 4.9 workers for every retiree. So, obviously, this is a problem, right? But the mainstream will tell you not to worry. The government will fix everything. You know, the same government that made the mess. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said the Trump administration's tax cuts and reductions in regulations will boost economic growth and generate new income from these programs, and everybody will have a unicorn in their backyard. Right. And this brings us back to the impact of debt on economic growth. All of this economic growth that the Trump administration is promising is not going to happen with $21 trillion in debt. This is clearly an unsustainable trajectory. So here's my advice. When the political class tells you not to worry, it's time to worry. 
In other news, after hitting the highest level in more than a year last month, gold continued to flow into ETFs in May. But regional trends have reversed, with European and Asian funds adding gold as the yellow metal flows out of North American funds. Global-backed ETF holdings added 15 tons of the yellow metal in May, boosting total holdings to 2,484 tons, according to the latest data released by the World Gold Council. For the last several months, North American funds have led the way. In April, they added 44.2 tons of gold, but in May, North American funds shed 30 tons worth about $1.2 billion. Meanwhile, Asian funds and European funds made up the difference. Europeans added 26 tons of gold. Meanwhile, net inflows in Asia came in at 21 tons. Asian gold-backed funds grew assets by a healthy 20% last month. Overall, globally, funds have recorded net inflows of gold in 2008. The movement of the yellow metal into ETFs over the last two years and continuing into 2018 reverses a three-year trend of outflows between 2013 and 2015. Inflows of gold into ETFs are significant in their effect on the world gold market, pushing overall demand higher. ETFs are backed by physical gold held by the issuer and are traded on the market like stocks. They allow investors to play gold without having to buy full ounces of the metal at spot price. Since their purchase is just a number in a computer, they can trade their investment in other stocks or cash pretty much whenever they want, even multiple times on the same day. Many speculative investors appreciate this kind of liquidity. There are good reasons to invest in ETFs, but they aren't a substitute for owning physical metal. If you want to learn more about the difference between investing in ETFs and physical gold and figure out what is best for your situation, call one of our Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialists today at 1-888-GOLD-160. That's 1-888-GOLD-160. Well, that's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes for free. There's a link on the show notes page. Thanks for listening, and I will talk to you again next week.